Today, ladies and gentlemen, is a very special day. Not only is it another day that I'm reporting on the coronavirus on this podcast, but it so happens that on today's date of March 26, I was born, and therefore makes it my birthday. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, I am recording myself on my birthday, and I will be doing a little special kind of interview during this podcast uh, to kind of celebrate my birth. Uh, But with that being said, we're going to still talk about the coronavirus. That is what this podcast is going to cover today. In specific, we're going to talk about the birthplace or the origin of the coronavirus, COVID-19, as you may know it, and what has progressed there so far. So without further ado, I am Kevin. I will be your podcast host today, as usual. And you are listening to the only podcast hosted by me. And this podcast is called... A Mention with Kevin. So many questions entered my mind as I was looking through John Hopkins' coronavirus map. It's a geo-referenced map that can be web-loaded that displays all the cases of known coronavirus around the world. Uh, There's many um, statistics that can be found, such as new cases, cases recovered, and mortalities due to the coronavirus. And I'm always checking to see where the coronavirus has struck next, who it's hit the hardest, and where we should be looking towards either locking down or setting higher regulations to control this virus. But in particular, I'm always captured by one country. And that is the country of the birthplace of said virus. Yes. It's China, and we're going to be talking about China in this episode and how they're doing with the COVID-19 outbreak. Can it be true, all the news that we're getting from them, that is saying that the COVID-19 pandemic has stopped in its tracks in China due to their regulations and restrictions, and have they gotten a controlling hand on it? Or is this all Chinese propaganda being fed to us by their authoritative government. We're going to kind of look towards that and see if we can uncover it ourselves in today's episode. So, as the doors of planes landing at Beijing's Capital International Airport open, teams of security officers and medical workers in hazmat suits take their positions. Temperature guns at the ready. One by one, passengers arrive from abroad are questioned, examined, swabbed, and tested for COVID-19. They are whisked off to two weeks of quarantine at a government facility. And for good reason. Airports are now the front line in China's fight against coronavirus, the main defense against the so-called second wave infection. Over the past weeks, virtually all cases, around 500, have come from abroad, as reported by the Chinese government, with just a handful of local infections down to zero on some days. 
In response, China announced today that it will be closing all its borders to all foreigners, including holders of visas and residencies, permits, effective of 12 a.m. local time Saturday. But can we trust this? Is China telling the truth? Or do they have more local cases than we know of? The official number of new COVID-19 cases released by Beijing have been questioned by some experts as overly positive for political propaganda purposes and dismissed by some Chinese who have noticed a decline in testing going on within the country. Still, they reflect China's greatest fear, a return of the pandemic, bouncing back from Europe, the Middle East, and North America, where infections are now almost five-fold greater. There are now 390,000 confirmed cases outside of China versus the 81,000 inside that have, for now, been reported. Since the coronavirus outbreak began, more than 3,285 people have died from it in China. Again, reported by Chinese officials and we don't know if this is a true and accurate quantity. In Italy, the current death toll now stands at 7,503, while in Spain, it's also very bad with 4,089 deaths. The second wave that is now occurring in China is a lesson for other countries that are in the battle against coronavirus might not result in a complete victory until it's eradicated everywhere else. On the streets of Beijing, the realization means returning Chinese and foreigners are treated with growing suspicion and increasingly avoided by the locals. Many hotels will no longer take bookings from non-Chinese. China, meanwhile, has been celebrating its triumph, lifting an unprecedented two-month lockdown on the key province of Hubei, Wednesday, and planning an end to the quarantine of its main city, Wuhan, on April 8th. This, is, this was the center of the original outbreak and an area that saw tens of millions of people restricted to their houses, sometimes even locked with padlocks for weeks at a time. Apart from one case in the city of Wuhan reported this week, Hubei has had no confirmed COVID-19 cases, government officials in Hubei said on Tuesday. But again, how can we be so sure if testing seems to be in decline? Wuhan has even started to loosen the restrictions on movements of residents deemed virus-free, allowing them to leave their homes to conduct personal errands, some reporters have confirmed. Across the country now, portraits of medical workers light up skyscrapers, their sacrifice honored with ceremonies, gifts, and awards. Doctors, who were initially silenced by the police for trying to warn about the virus, have been officially rehabilitated after being praised as brave heroes by China's internet users. Again in Wuhan, volunteer nurses and others are cheered and paraded as they fly out, their job declared done. But is this victory too early? Recover patients are also applauded. A total of 61,000 who overcame the, the disease just in Hubei 
and are featured on state TV receiving flowers and gifts. The situation is considered so much better in China than elsewhere, wealthy Chinese have even begun paying more than $20,000 US for seats on charter private jets to bring back, sometimes via Canada, their children who are studying in the United States as scheduled flights are blocked and cancelled. With US registered planes banned from landing in China and Chinese planes kept out of American airspace, the operation is, well, a little complicated, but it is still appealing. Again, like I've said, this is an optimistic view on their situation with Corona. Still, experts warn all this may be too optimistic. For China, I think it's too premature to celebrate, said Benjamin Cowling, the head of the epide epidemiology department at the University of Hong Kong. There will be a second wave. It's unavoidable. How big a wave? Well, that's, that depends completely on how successful Chinese officials are at catching the first cases. Kowlin said, aside from testing at a border, they need to do attract silent carriers, those who do not show obvious symptoms but can spread the disease. In China, it's a little easier because of the population surveillance systems. When some someone is infected, officials can go back and see exactly who that person met, like detective work, with their surveillance systems. So I guess this is one way that an authoritative government can kind of catch something as malicious as this COVID-19 outbreak. But the virus is spreading faster than expected, says Kenji Shibuya, a public health expert at King's College in London and former chief of health policy at the World Health Organization. Unless you shut down all borders, you still have a risk everywhere else. He said, in the end, he said the only way to so stop successive outbreaks, third or fourth or even fifth waves, is that all societies to develop what's called a herd immunity. And that's only possible after 60 to 80 percent of the population have the disease or there is a vaccine created. China's second wave is likely only the beginning. And this begs many questions for the country and for many other countries. How will we continue to solve this if we keep seeing outbreaks in, in different areas? Will we continue to race towards trying to find a vaccine faster and faster? Or is there some way that we can continue to control this a little bit better? Um, I would, it would be great to hear your ideas and what you guys think about this situation. You can leave me a mention at Kevin underscore Hobie at Twitter.com and tell me what you really think is going on in China. Do you think the government is being transparent? A government that is fairly known for not being transparent for this people or for outsiders. Are they telling the truth in this situation or are they trying to appear like they are stable again to support their economy and their people? Let me know on Twitter and let's continue this dialogue again on COVID-19 and how China is dealing with this. Like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different because today is my birthday. I've had the idea of kind of bringing on guests on the show, and this is something that I would like to do. We'll see if this is possible. I'm trying to see through the logistics, but what type of software I should be using, how the quality will be like, and how I will set up the format of having guests on the show. 
But in doing so, I had to come up with some questions. And so today, I will be answering some of my very own questions that I will be asking about the COVID-19 outbreak and the times we are living in it with. So with that being said, this is an interview from me to me about COVID-19. The first question I'm going to ask myself is what health preventative measures am I taking during this time? Well, some of you already know. During this time, I have decided to self-isolate. I have not come in contact with anybody who has coronavirus or who anybody who has appeared sick. Uh, but I found it and most preventative, I guess, is to stay at home by myself. Uh, well, not technically with myself, with my family, and be able to work from home and kind of limit my interaction with going out. Uh, so I have actually not gone out for, I would say, two weeks. Uh, probably once to a Costco to help my family buy some food and stuff like that. Besides that, I, I've really had no other social contact with somebody, physical or physical. What am I doing during this time to stay busy? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I do podcasts. I read books. Um, I'm kind of doing um, another kind of creative piece right now, um, and that is a little bit of writing. I'm trying to do some things on narcos, narco traffickers. Um, I'm reading up on them and doing some research, and I'm, I'm writing a little bit about it. So that's kind of what I'm doing in my free time so far. And when I get my computer back, I'm hoping to do some editing for some videos and possibly some other fun stuff. Another question that I'm going to ask myself, how is my experience with buying groceries or uh, staying fit and socializing? So like I said, I, I don't um, really have a lot of experience with groceries and socializing. I'm be keeping very limited, so I haven't done a lot of that right now. Um, but in terms of staying fit, I found it best to kind of set myself a routine. I'm still setting myself the routine that I had before, which is going to the gym every other day. And so I've set myself uh, my own personal home gym in the basement where I have a Bowflex machine and a Bowflex treadmill. And so I'm able to do cardio, I'm able to do weight training, and uh, I continue to try to do this while COVID-19 is going on. You have to be a little bit more creative and find some more workout regimens online. There are a lot of great ones out there. Actually, some ones on prison bodybuilding, which is kind of handy because it's kind of like your home is your prison. And so that's kind of how uh, I'm kind of dealing things with it right now. And for my last question, for my little sampler here for my questions, I'm going to ask, what's something that you see people seem to misunderstand about COVID-19? And it will kind of go into another question that I would have liked to ask. It's one of my fears. And so I kind of see the misconception is that, um, that the young are not susceptible to it and they don't have to worry. I think those people have to worry as well. I'm seeing cases um, in the news of 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, even a 16-year-old being infected. And some of them actually dying because of this. Because it becomes and progresses into such a bad state of pneumonia. So understanding that not everybody is safe from this is, is something that I want to say and to just have in mind to keep others in mind as well and not be selfish, but be selfless. Uh, by not getting this, you are not spreading it to somebody who's older who is more susceptible than you, um, but you're being more responsible in that way. And so I want to encourage the young people, people around my age, 
that uh, it isn't smart to go out and socialize or worth it in that, in that manner. I think it's best to kind of suffer it out a little bit for the betterment of others than it is to just have pleasure for oneself. And so I want to thank you guys again for listening to this podcast. If you want to check out any more of my content, you can check me up on youtube.com. Just type in Kevin Hobie, or you can type in uh, my second channel, which is Studio Kevin. I want to remind you guys to brush your teeth and floss. Remember, keep this time to social distance and to remain hygienic by washing your hands frequently and by listening to the rules and regulations that the government sets in your country to fight the spread of the coronavirus. I will see you guys on the next episode. Good night.